1: This is the Locked On Bengals podcast on a Thursday night. So much to get to. It's great to have you in. I'm James Erpine on Twitter, at James Erpine at Locked On Bengals. If you're new to the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. Basically, my goal, the goal of this podcast, it's a daily Bengals podcast to peel back the curtain and give you an inside look at the Cincinnati Bengals. If you want to subscribe, you can it. iHeart Radio app, the iHeart Radio app, iTunes, Megaphone, Locked On Bengals.com as well. Dave Lapham, Bengals color man, Bengals legend, joining me uh, in, in about 60 seconds from right now. But I just, I got to dive into this, just discuss this a second. This offseason is a, a such an important offseason in the direction of the Bengals. Obviously, you have the head coach and who they pick and who succeeds Marvin. But there's going to be so many decisions that affect Geno Atkins and the rest of his prime, AJ Green's prime. Should they keep Andy Dalton? Should they move on from Andy Dalton? Should they draft a quarterback and keep Andy Dalton? There are so many questions, and the number one spot for offseason Bengals news is this daily podcast, the Locked On Bengals podcast. So keep it locked here. We will get the experts. We will get all of the different beat writers, insiders, evaluators for the draft that you need. And I will be down at the stadium even during the off-season getting you news notes, et cetera. So it's it's great to have you in, and it's great that you're here. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Bengals podcast. I've been in for Mo Eger this week on ESPN fifteen thirty and I talked with Dave Lapham earlier today. And we talked about a bunch of stuff during this interview that you're going to hear. And one thing I discussed with Dave and I asked him about because everyone's pointing at Marvin and oh Marvin's a big reason why they were 12 and 4 and 15 And then they've declined because Marvin Lewis has declined or because the team hasn't gotten uh, the the coaching, the proper coaching that it needs. And while I understand that, I think you could also knock the front office for letting Andrew Whitworth go, for letting – or for drafting, rather, Cedric Obwehi and Jake Fisher. So to me, that's part of it as well. And I asked Dave Lapham if the front office holds – or shares some of the blame for the decline the past couple of seasons.
2: Yeah, I, I think I still think that uh, you know they're they're capable of being that type of football team. I mean, you, you saw it in uh, Green Bay. You saw it in a half against uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. You've seen flashes of it, but the problem is you know doing it on a consistent basis. And I think that uh, as of as of right now, with respect to the offensive line, you can either say well they misdrafted. Or they misdeveloped. You know, are the are athletes are they good enough to play in the National Football League, and they just haven't been brought along properly, or are they not good enough to play in the National Football League? I think there's that's a split decision within the organization. I don't think there's a clear cut answer. And I guess the only way they are going to find out is if uh, you know a new staff comes in with a new offensive line coach, a new way to attack the line of scrimmage, and see if those guys can indeed play in the National Football League. Because obviously, you know, it's no secret that I I think, honestly, you know, James, we talked about it way back. I mean, if the offensive line had gelled, I think they probably could have won 10 games, but it didn't. It took too long to, let's put it that way, it started to gel a little bit in the last month or so. took way too long, and they struggled to win six games, which is what thought might be the case if that took place.
1: Dave, obviously, the offensive line had something to do with andy dalton 's twenty seventeen season but what are your thoughts on what he's done this year and uh has he regressed at all
2: i think that um I think that he got affected by the ineffective play of his offensive line. I thought that uh i'm not going to say he played scared I think that's dramatic, but uh, he had happy feet at times and you know made throws that uh, he doesn't normally make at times, so I think that the uh the overall effect of the offensive line play got in his head. And, um, you know, he had his stretch, obviously 193 straight pass attempts without an interception, but then he had his, his games like he had in the opener against Baltimore. Um, and, you know, there was, there was plenty of blame to spread around for that. Uh, a couple of his passes were deflected, uh, the offensive line got uh, overpowered at times. There wasn't a uh, vision to see down the football field. A ball goes, goes off, Sugg's head for interception, sucks sacks him a couple times, a strip sack. I mean, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, in Baltimore on Sunday after what took place in the opener. You know, they start the season in, on a down note. Will they end the season on an uptick or a down note uh, against the same football team? But I do think that Andy Dalton um, was not the same quarterback Based on the offensive line play. And and it's understandable. I mean, whenever, I mean, any quarterback under pressure is not the same guy. And Andy Andy Dalton certainly wasn't the same guy.
1: Dave Lapham is our guest. Obviously, looking at the 2017 season and what we've seen from Andy Dalton, do you think the Bengals would consider drafting a quarterback early in the 2018 NFL draft?
2: Yeah, I I don't think you rule anything out, you know, with the the pick you're going to have. If, in fact, you do end up with a top 10 pick, if they win, they may not be top ten, or they may be just outside of the top ten. But what do you do? Do you uh, do you say, "Hey, we're good enough with Andy Dalton to to win a lot of games and to win a Super Bowl if we can make sure we've got the, the offensive line uh, in, in good shape?" And would that uh, would that mean you take one of those stud offensive linemen if anybody's still there? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, usually, if you're going to take a franchise type quarterback, you take them with that first pick of the draft, which. In the Bengals' case, uh, could be a top 10. You know, you don't take an offensive lineman and hope, you know, after that. It happens. I mean, you know, Tom Brady was a six-round pick. Joe Montana was a third-round pick. I mean, you can always find exceptions to every rule, but the high, high percentages, the ones that pan out, you know, to be franchise-type guys are are usually ones taken pretty early in the draft.
1: A lot of people are going to speculate and and wonder and, and guess. How impossible is it to guess what Mike Brown is thinking right now, assuming that Marvin Lewis's last game is this Sunday
2: yeah that's uh that's a great question you know I mean, <laughs> the only one the only one that knows is him that's for sure um I, I raised this last night on our show I said, what if what if you know there's there's a coaching carousel that that got big and say ten guys will let go and say Hugh Jackson's out there, and uh, you know you, you can't really think oh, I don't know if I could sell him as a head coach, but if you come back here as a coordinator, I could sell that and Vance Joseph's out there and Marvin says, hey my relationship dictates, Mike, I've got, uh, Hugh Jackson, come back to coordinate my offense and Vance Joseph to coordinate my defense. Now that's given that Paul Gunther has moved on, maybe, you know, to one of the 10 head coaching openings. Um, you know, that's like, wow. because to me, whoever they decide to, to, uh, coach this football team next coordinators are key. When Marvin Lewis had his great run, who did he have as coordinators? He had Jay Gruden. He had Hugh Jackson. He had Mike Zimmer. You know, he had Paul Gunther, um, So I think your coordinators are are key. The head coach is important. There's no question. But the guy that coaches the players more on a day-to-day basis with, you know, schematic uh, decisions and all that are the coordinators. And then down to the position coaches, I would say to whoever my candidate is, whoever's on my list, start at 20, cut to 10, cut to 5, whatever the case may be, who's your staff? I I want names, numbers, emails. I want to be able to contact them and find out for sure if they're your staff, not that they're just telling you one thing and then telling me another, I want to know who your coaching staff is. That that would be a, a big, big bearing in the decision that I might make.
1: Dave, there's no way. And I, there's been plenty of speculation, especially nationally that the Bengals could bring in Hugh Jackson. And, and I, I totally get it. I, I understand it. I think fans would have been on board with it two years ago, but we expect you to go one in 31 in two years in Cleveland. If they fired him, you think that the Bengals could realistically bring him in as their next head coach?
2: I'll tell you what, it'd be hard to sell one in 31 yeah. um, from a PR standpoint. I mean, it really would. I really respect Hugh Jackson. I, th- I think the organization would like to evaluate him on what he did here in Cincinnati, which was stellar. Mm-hmm. I mean, every single position that he touched got better, whether it be assistant special teams, assistant secondary, running back coach, coordinator, wide receivers. When he developed, you know, Chad and TJ – you know, T.J. was a late-round pick. That, he did a hell of a job developing T.J. Hishmanzada. So I, everybody that he touched here in Cincinnati got better. Now, you know, obviously, you are what your record says you are, as the great Bill Parcells said. So Jackson with a 1-31 in 31 mark as a head coach to come here as a head coach. Oof. Nationally, they get crucified. They get crushed. But I think locally, you know, people might be able to understand it a little bit. But one and thirty-one would be a tough hurdle to overcome. Really would.
1: We'll get back to my interview with Dave Lapham in just a second here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. But first, a word from my bookie. Bull season is here, and it's time to get in the action with my bookie. Are you sick and tired of getting the runaround when it comes for your uh, when it comes to your payout? Every time I mention my bookie, that's the biggest thing. I, how long does it take to get the payout? My bookie gets you your payout. Very, very fast when you win. You get paid fast. Just a couple business days. Sign up at mybookie.ag today where you bet. Just as important as who you're betting on. I trust them. I've used them. I've been on a couple three-team parlays. Haven't used them yet for bulls. I'm going to get in on these college football. I haven't placed the bets on the bowls yet because here locally, UC obviously didn't make a bowl game. But tomorrow, Ohio State, USC, that's a big one with a lot of people going with Ohio State. Hard to, hard to bet on my end against Sam Darnold, but I think I have to. I think Ohio State's the better team, even though USC has the better quarterback. Join now on MyBookie. We'll match your deposit with up to a 50% bonus. Use promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. If you're going to bet, the only place to do it is MyBookie.ag. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON.
0: Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. He's Dave Lapham. I'm James Erpine. Uh, a couple more questions for you, Dave. What's one thing
1: you'll miss about Marvin Lewis if he does, in fact, coach his last game this Sunday?
2: Yeah, I think I think the consistency of Marvin Lewis. I mean, it drives some people batty. But I think one of the things that uh, um, that he did a great job of is maintaining his poise. You know, that's something that uh, Josh McDaniel, when he went out to Denver, there was some emotional instability. And, uh, you know, real high highs, real low lows. Marvin's, you know, pretty much even keel. And I know it drives people nuts. Look at his expression. And doesn't he ever get, and nothing ever affects this guy. But, you know, if you saw Tom Landry, Bud Grant, uh, you know, a lot of people. I, I do think that in the long run, that was probably a strength of his. Although at times, just like anybody at times, you would like to see a little bit of emotion, you like to see a little bit of, bit of reaction. But I do think, you know, on balance, I'd like to see more emotional stability than the coach losing his mind, you know, every single game. Um, but, you know, sometimes, like I said, sometimes it's, it's warranted and justified and all those kind of things. I think probably probably that that part of it. And he's very accessible. I mean, for a head coach, you know, in the NFL, he does make himself accessible and, and, um, you know, sometimes his press conferences, you know, you wish you'd get a little bit more, but man, in New England and, you yeah, know, you name other places, it's, there's, you know, all you have is your reference point. You don't have other, other, uh, um, media members' reference points around the country that to draw upon. And it's, uh, I, he's, he hasn't been, I found him, uh, very, very consistent to work with. And, uh, that part of it I, I do appreciate, you know, about him. And there's no question that he did a great job in, in terms of finding out what New his players to. You know, and not treating everybody the same from a personality standpoint, he took the time to find out um what was the player's hot money button and and things that would make sense to one wouldn't make sense to another. I don't know if he will want to
1: obviously we we, we have no idea he won't even say whether or not he he wants to be back next year necessarily, which i I get I understand it'll we'll we find out soon enough, but I think with all the the vacancies expected across the NFL, Marvin will probably get some interviews if he wants them. And I could totally see him being a head coach elsewhere next year if, uh, again, it's a big if, he he wants to do it.
2: Yeah, who knows if his agent hasn't already explored that. Who knows if he doesn't have an offer in his pocket. I mean, who knows anything. Um, These agents, uh, who who knows if the agent has something to do with what uh, transpired with Adam Schefter because he wanted it out there. He still wanted a coach, but not in Cincinnati. Um uh, and that may have started up ball rolling and, and, and then you can the the agent can talk to organizations, general managers, front office, people from other clubs. You never know. Um but you know there's tampering. That's I I do know that. If a guy is under contract, <laughs> you better be awfully careful about what to do. There, there are there are tampering uh you know, restrictions in terms in terms of what goes on in the National Football League. But you know that uh you know there's communication and Adam Seth gets worked by everybody for job possibilities and job. Uh, interviews and whether it be ESPN employees or current coaches or college coaches want to be NFL coaches or whatever the case may be, Schefter gets work left and right. It's a two way street. You wash my hand, I'll wash yours.
1: A lap, I I've obviously there, there's a couple internal candidates that the Bengals will explore, whether it's Darren Simmons or, or Paul Gunther and at least give them an interview. If Marvin does in fact uh, move on and they're looking for a new head coach next season, I look at that and I, I say, uh, because a lot of fans feel like they need a, a culture change and, and, and someone new, something fresh, something different, which I totally understand after 15 years. I'm not sure Paul Gunther or, or Darren Simmons would be that. What, what are your thoughts on those two potentially succeeding, Marvin?
2: Oh, I think they'll get interviews. There's no question about that. I do think that the way the Bengals operate, and I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Bill Laser gets one as well. I think all three of the coordinators uh, will probably be interviewed. By the by, the organization and uh, and you know, and, and I think that again, what if one of the coordinators says, "Here's who I have for a coaching staff," and it just blows you away, you know, because who knows who's friends with who mm-hmm. in the National Football League? You really don't know until these kind of opportunities present, present themselves. If one of these assistant coaches, uh, one of these coordinators, whatever group it may be, uh, position wise, if if they have an unbelievable staff. At their, at their disposal, I, you got to think about it. You really have to think about it. So I, I don't rule anybody out uh, just based on that one individual unless you just know you can't work with them, unless it's just there's no way I can even work with this guy. I think it's the whole body of coaches. I really do. I think I think that's the underrated part of this thing.
1: A lot of people, Lapin, and you've been great with your time, last question for you, a lot of people look at – the ninth overall pick in John Ross, and they already automatically say bust. You're, you're obviously more in tune with the organization with, with the thoughts on Ross. How do they feel about their first round pick moving forward?
2: I think they still feel that that he's got the physical attributes that they 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 saw, and and his body betrayed him. And you know, I just make the comparison to William Jackson. William Jackson's rookie year, his body betrayed him. He tore his pec early on, and um, he did everything. Observed everything his rookie year mentally, took mental reps, uh, worked out, rehabbed as best he could. Uh, John Ross did the same thing. So, you know, you got to hope that next year John Ross has the type of year and year two that William Jackson had, has had this year. William Jackson, in my mind, he's on the cusp of the Pro Bowl already. Yeah. So, you know, if you draft a guy that high, um, you're doing it for a reason. And in both cases, I think they felt like uh, that, th- that that their physical attributes warranted that pick. And then the other thing you can't control is the injury factor. And hopefully uh, John Ross, the football gods, are much kinder to him next year than they were this year.
1: He's Dave Lapham. Lap, I, I know it's the, the 425 kickoff. I hope it's a quick game and you can get back and enjoy uh, New Year's here in town. I, I appreciate the time, as always.
2: Appreciate it, James. I think I'm going to be an Uber service for my wife on New Year's Eve. That's about it. <laughs> well, I might need a
1: ride, too, so I might call you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks,
2: Lap. Take
1: care, James. That was Dave Lapham. That's fun. I love talking to Lap. He's the best. Always coming on. I uh, I I know I teased that we were going to have Paul Daner Jr. on, but his phone when I interviewed him was not the best, and we ended up getting Lap anyway. I got Lap on the show, and I figured you wa- you'd you want to hear that. The interesting thing to me there is the, the coordinator situation, man. Could you imagine if – and I don't think it will be the case, but could you imagine if Bill Lazor was this team's next head coach? Darren Simmons. Even Paul Gunther. <laughs> No one would be happy except the Gunther family or the Simmons family or the laser family. (laughs) Like the laser jokes were fun when he was offensive coordinator for about a week. Laser beams. And then as soon as the the offense went in the toilet, they're still 32nd in the league in in total offense. That's unbelievable. In, In a league that has Jacoby Brissett throwing passes in Indy, Deshaun Kaiser in Cleveland, In all these other crappy offenses, the Bengals' offense has been the crappiest in total offense. Brutal. I'm James Rapine. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked on Bengals podcast. I'm pretty sure, I'm not coming into the studio tomorrow, but I'm I'm going to do a podcast from the lovely confines of my home office. So you will have a Locked on Bengals podcast tomorrow. The final regular season edition of the Locked on Bengals podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can subscribe on iTunes, the iHeartRadio app, megaphone, locked I'm on Twitter at JamesRpeen at On Bengals until tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Bengals podcast.
0: Hey Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.